You're an advertising man, Jimmy. You can't believe that. I do, McCann said. They have a 98% cure rate. Wait a minute, Morrison said. He motioned for another drink and lit a cigarette. Do these guys strap you down and make you smoke until you throw up? No. Give you something so that you get sick every time you light? No, it's nothing like that. Go and see for yourself. He gestured at Morrison's cigarette. You don't really like that, do you? No, but stopping really changed things for me, McCann said. I don't suppose it's the same for everyone, but with me it was like it was like dominoes falling over. I felt better and my relationship with Sharon improved. I had more energy and my job performance picked up. Look, you got my curiosity aroused. Can't you just... I'm sorry, Dick. I really can't talk about it. His voice was firm. Did you put on any weight? For a moment he thought Jimmy McCann looked almost grim. Yes, a little too much, in fact, but I took it off again. I'm about right now, as skinny before. Flight 206, now boarding at gate 9, the loudspeaker announced. That's me, McCann said, getting up. He tossed a five on the bar. Have another if you like, and think about what I said, Dick, really. And then he was gone, making his way through the crowd to the escalators. Morrison picked up the card, looked at it thoughtfully, then tucked it away in his wallet and forgot about it. The card fell out of his wallet and onto another bar a month later. He had left the office early and had come here to drink the afternoon away. Things had not been going so well at the Morton Agency. In fact, things were bloody horrible. He gave Henry a ten to pay for his drink, then picked up the small card and reread it. 237 East 46th Street. It was only about two blocks over. It was a cool, sunny October day outside, and maybe, just for chuckles, when Henry bought his change, he finished his drink and then went for a walk. Quitters, Inc. was in a new building where the monthly rent on the office space was probably close to Morrison's yearly salary. From the directory in the lobby, it looked to him like their offices took up one whole floor, and that spelled money. Lots of it. He took the elevator up and stepped off into a lushly carpeted foyer and from there into a gracefully appointed reception room with a wide window that looked out on the scurrying bugs below. Three men and one woman sat in chairs along the walls reading magazines. Business types, all of them. Morrison went to the desk. A friend gave me this, he said, passing the card to the receptionist. I guess you'd say he's an alumnus. She smiled and rolled a form into her typewriter. What is your name, sir? Richard Morrison. Clackety-clack-clack. But very muted clacks. The typewriter was on IBM. Your address? 29 Maple Lane, Clinton, New York. Married? Yes. Children? One. He thought of Alvin and frowned slightly. One was the wrong word. A half might be better. His son was mentally retarded and lived at a special school in New Jersey. Who recommended us to you, Mr. Morrison? An old school friend, James McCann. Very good. We have a seat. It's been a very busy day. All right. He sat between the woman, who was wearing a severe blue suit, and a young executive type wearing a herringbone jacket and modish sideburns. He took out his pack of cigarettes, looked around, and saw there was no ashtray. He put the pack away again. That was all right. He would see this little game through and then light up while he was leaving. He might even tap some ashes on their maroon shag rug if they made him wait too long. He picked up a copy of Time and began to leave through it. He was called a quarter of an hour later after the woman in the blue suit. His nicotine center was speaking quite loudly now. 
A man who came in after him took out a cigarette case, snapped it open, saw there were no ashtrays, and put it away, looking a little guilty, Morrison thought. It made him feel better. At last, the receptionist gave him a sunny smile and said, Go right in, Mr. Morrison. Morrison walked through the door beyond her desk and found himself in an indirectly lit hallway. A heavy-set man with white hair that looked phony shook his hand, smiled affably, and said, Follow me, Mr. Morrison. He led Morrison past a number of closed, unmarked doors, then opened one of them about halfway down the hall with a key. Beyond the door was an austere little room walled with drilled white cork panels. The only furnishings were a desk with a chair on either side. There was what appeared to be a small oblong window in the wall behind the desk, but it was covered with a short green curtain. There was a picture on the wall to Morrison's left, a tall man with iron-gray hair. He was holding a sheet of paper in one hand. He looked vaguely familiar.